This is the Powerful Partnerships Podcast, funded by OPDC's Great Play Scheme. It's Claire Clotty here, bringing you the last episode in this Powerful Partnerships Podcast series, which focuses on the future and keeping the legacy of the area alive. For some, industrial Britain may be a thing of the past, yet the legacy of making and creating continues. And for OPDC, one of their key aims is to protect and enhance Park Royal as a strategic and industrial location. Alongside this, young people, new artists and innovators are adding to the history of Park Royal through their own creations, interpretations and vision for a sustainable future. OPDC have made a commitment to supporting those in the local area through the In The Making programme, which also provides small grants funding to local groups, helping them embed art, culture and heritage in the major development and regeneration plan for Old Oak and Park Royal. It may sound like fun and games, but for those involved, embedding lessons from the past is crucial for testing and developing new ways of living in the future. Absolute Beginners is a project conceived by Tom James and commissioned as one of a number of major art commissions funded by OPDC's Great Place Scheme. How would you introduce yourself um, to others? I would say that I'm an artist and a socially engaged artist. So that basically means I do a lot of work with people and trying often to try and teach, to say your projects where I try to teach people how to do stuff. So I um, came out of university, I studied history and politics at university, uh, came out of university and um, ended up falling in love with the city I was in and started a fanzine about Sheffield. So started writing this little sort of self-published thing about Sheffield. So I didn't know, I, I was writing all this stuff about Sheffield, I didn't know where it should go really. So I ended up publishing my own little uh, magazine about it. Um, and then about five years ago, I started making a lot of work about climate change. Um, and so... So yeah, so I started this uh, thing called the Future Manual, which is a DIY guide to surviving and thriving in this future. And it's like half funny and half sad is the idea. Uh, And then I finally realized, end of the story, that I was really enjoying these, I was doing these workshops to teach people in real life the skills that I was writing about in this publication. And I realized that actually I was enjoying the workshops as much, if not more, than the writing. So, you know, what's your connection with OPDC and how... Did you navigate or find a way to create in, you know, in partnership with them? That's a a really good question. Uh, I'm afraid it's another really long answer. So basically, I, the work I've been doing over the last few years has been coming from this place where I'm I'm trying to talk about climate change. I'm trying to talk about um, how to, you know, how to survive and thrive in this future. And the work has always been half funny and half sad and half hopeful and half hopeless. And, you know, because I think it is sort of funny what we're doing to the planet from a, from a cosmic perspective. Um, but the work's been getting more and more and more useful. And so the last big project I did, I realised I was really interested in how we might learn how to make the basic stuff that we take we um, use every day. But we don't really know how, to, how it's made at all anymore, where it comes from or who makes it. We just take it all for granted. So I had this idea of starting a factory where young people could learn how to make these basic goods. Um, and then I saw an uh, opportunity for a commission with uh, OPDC, the In The Making Commission. Um, and this was like in the middle of 2019. And I had been having this idea for a while and realised that there was, there was no better place for a factory uh, than this industrial estate, Park Royal. Because obviously in Park Royal, you had, you know, you used to, they, in Park Royal, people used to make 
most of the stuff that London has needed every day. And now, of course, it's mostly distribution. So now it's mostly stuff made on the other side of the world, which we uh, don't think really about where it comes from. Um, and so I applied for it and I didn't get it. <laughs> um, but I had then started this long conversation with OPDC because they wanted to open some sort of hub in the area in Park Royal where people could come and learn, uh, come and get involved with their projects in general. And they thought that my factory might be a good way to do that. Uh, and unfortunately, we decided that in about February last year, so about a month before the world shut. So Absolute Beginners, um, I'm really excited about it actually. Absolute Beginners is a new factory for uh, Park Royal where young people can learn how to make uh, just some of the basic goods that used to be produced on the estate. So the idea is that we're going to bring three groups of young people together and each group will learn how to make just one product influenced by the estate's past but in radically sustainable new ways. So they'll be doing maybe A4 paper, tire sandals, maybe soap, maybe textiles. Uh, but to do that, we'll use local materials, simple tools and off-grid power. And so the idea really is to teach, to celebrate the industrial heritage of this amazing industrial estate by teaching young people real skills. And then at the same time, trying to open up a space to talk about how we consume, what we make, where it's made and what it might feel like if we had to do it ourselves. Uh, but, you know, maybe talking five years in the future. And then suddenly, two weeks later after I've started the project, there's no toilet roll in any of the supermarkets and we can't get, we can't get PPE. And so suddenly it's, you know, it's about, it's about this sort of climate, uh, climate emergency. But also, of course, it's relevant to Brexit and of course it's relevant to COVID and just relevant to how fragile our economies have been proven to be. In, in essence, you know, what you're doing is perfect timing because we have all been forced to make again, to create, to look in our cupboards and go, right, what do I have here that I can put together and make a nice meal? Or, okay, I'm out or, or you know, it's a bit pricey to buy these face masks. I'm going to make them. So it's really quite exciting what you're doing. You have, you know, been part of creating a youth panel. Yeah, so... We decided, first of all, to try and put the project back. So we were going to start it in sort of July last year, and now we're going to start it in a few months' time. Um, but we also realised that it would be a really good opportunity to test how we might actually do some of this stuff if we can't meet in real life. So we put together this thing called the Youth Panel, where we've just got, we've recruited um, six young people to basically help us to test stuff and to work out what we can do online if we're going to try and make and so we, it's been really interesting, actually. Like I think we can do. We're going to try. We're going to try and open this factory in, in April, and we just have to basically play it by ear and see what you know. If we can meet in real life, that's great. But if we can't meet in real life, another backup plan. But it's really interesting. The youth have really been really enjoying making online. So we did a few workshops where we learned how to do um, tie dye. We learned how to do tie dye fabrics, and yeah, and the, on all of the feedback was that they much prefer doing these workshops on their just their usual online college learning because they got to use their hands because they got to make something because it was interesting it's really interesting and, and i think like the really nice thing about doing them online is that we're all born witless of zoom right we, we all never want to do another zoom quiz with our family ever again <laughs> but, but, well it's true but that, the, the funny thing is that then the youth you tell them what they're doing and then they go right and then they stand up walk over to their stove where the pot is and you hear them going do, 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 do. but you know and and just the act of having to go somewhere else in the room to try something then bring it back to show the camera 
seems to be a really different uh, feeling than just sitting there and talking, if that makes sense. A nice feeling of autonomy, I imagine, for the young people, you know, getting up and taking responsibility, being accountable without someone breathing over their shoulder or, you know, micromanaging them. Yeah, Yeah, completely. That's exactly it, I think. So in terms of, you know, you're doing a lot of collaboration with young people, but are there any other organisations that you are working in partnership with to make this project Absolute Beginners, you know, come alive? So we, I'm, I'm working in a partnership with three other makers who are, uh, I've been trying to recruit to help me actually teach the stuff. Because of course I, uh, I'm, you know, I can facilitate the workshops, I can create the narrative, I can help young people to think about the world we're creating, but I don't necessarily know how to make textiles myself. So I'm collaborating with three different makers to do that. Um, but also I am working with one of the things we're trying to do with the project to begin with was to do this sort of intergenerational stuff where, you know, in Park Royal, you've got all of these amazing skills that people used to have to make this real stuff in Park Royal are sort of flying out the window as they retire and their businesses shut down because it's so much cheaper to make it in China or so much cheaper to make it in India. And so today the, the, the industrial estate is about 70% distribution. So it's really most, you know, there are still people making there and there's a lot of food still being made there. But when it comes to sort of basic goods, it, it doesn't make economic sense anymore to try and make um, pencils or A4 paper on the estate. And um, so you've got lots of people who used to be able to make stuff. And I think, you know, I'm really interested in, in trying to work out how that felt. Like, was it, was it interesting making stuff? Is it more interesting than um, just sitting in front of a screen all day? And at the same time, you've got all these young people who are uh, in this really precarious situation at the moment because of COVID, but also, in my opinion, are going to be in this quite precarious situation in five or 10 years' time because of the climate emergency. And I'm just trying to sort of link those two people together. So initially, my idea was to have those old makers come and actually speak to the young people and you know explain how you make a pencil or how you make uh, a trainer. Um, but that hasn't been possible, obviously, because of COVID. So now I'm trying to get them to interview each other over the internet. So at the moment, I'm trying to find as many old makers as I can who might be interested in talking to the young people about what it feels like to make stuff. Okay. Well, hopefully anyone listening to this podcast will be able to or be interested in, you know, partnering up with you and signposting people to the Absolute Beginners Project. You've spoken a little bit about you know, legacy in, in essence of, of this project and, you know, making sure that history isn't forgotten, but history is also uh, created today. How will this project benefit not just the young people you're working with um, and the local artists, community that you're working with, but society in general? I think there's two things, really. I think, first of all, I think we desperately need to have a space where we can talk about what we're making, how we're consuming and how we're living. Uh, because it's not really enough, you know, like even, even if everyone tomorrow stopped eating beef and got an electric car, we wouldn't be able to get the emissions that we're creating in the world down. We know that the emissions have to come down, that they have to be zero by 2050 if we need to try and stay below a certain level of heating. Uh, and they're still going up and they'd be going up and up and up and up and up for the last uh, you know, 150 years. And so I'm really interested in the fact that a lot of that is caused by what we consume. Uh, and this economy that we have 
that's based on buying uh, and making and throwing away things that we don't need and don't even really want. So I'm really interested in talking about you know, what uh, a more sustainable economy might look like, what it might feel like, how it might feel to make and use things out of sustainable local materials instead of uh, out of plastic on the other side of the world. Um, so that's the first thing. But also I'm really interested in this idea of making and what it means to make. Um, it's really important not to be too nostalgic about it, I think. I grew up in the north of England and in all the cities near me, there were the evidence of manufacture. So there were all these massive factories or workshops or uh, mills and all empty. And I feel like that's really sad that, that all those people learned all those amazing things and learned to produce this amazing stuff and then had to just dump it all because it got cheaper on the other side of the world, right? But then at the same time, I'm aware that you shouldn't um, romanticize this stuff too much. So really, I want to I want to sort of talk about what it feels to, to what it feels like to make something, and the sort of the, maybe the joy that you might find in making or producing something uh, useful and necessary. Very inspiring and all encompassing. You know, we've got a bit of heritage in there, um, social activism, um, you know, climate change and um, intergenerational work. Yes, I think your definition or your description of yourself as a social artist makes much more sense now. Tom, how can young people, um, old people, makers, artists get involved with what you're doing? So we're going to be doing a call out for the young people to be our absolute beginners. So they are basically, we're looking for young people with absolutely zero experience of making who might want to get involved in this project. Um, they get paid. So we are paying our young people for their time, which I think is really important if you're making art and work with young people to pay them. Uh, and the call out for that is going to go out in uh, the start of next month, March. And basically, we're looking for three groups of six young people who are between 17 and 21 uh, to get involved in the project and to each uh, take part in these workshops. Um, and that, that call will be spread on OPDC's social media and through lots of different youth organisations in the borough, uh, the boroughs, sorry. And um, we're just going to try and push that out as far as we can. If you are a current maker and you're currently making something on Park Royal and you're listening to this podcast and you're outraged by the idea that no one's making something on Park Royal, <laughs> then you can get in touch with me and tell me off. And uh, if you are an old maker who used to make something and wants to talk to the young people about how it feels to make things, then we'd like you to get in touch with us as well. Uh, and you can do that at hello at absolute-beginners.info. Uh, which is our email address. This is the Powerful Partnerships Podcast. Since 2019, OPDC's Great Place Scheme has invested £100,000 into 20 grassroots community projects through the Small Grant Scheme. Firstly, follower Shade Babarinde tells us more about how the funding has supported her project at Abundance Arts followed by Zane Dada, who tells us how a small investment today can go a long way into shaping the future. Abundance Arts, we're a community organisation and um, we run for the well-being of the community. We use arts for well-being. So we run an arts um, club, which is called Our Arts Club. That's what the kids call it. And we've got 200 parents in Stonebridge area. So Stonebridge, Halston, Park Royal, um, that area in Brent 
And so we run for the benefit of the community and we also work in different boroughs um, doing African drumming, dance, art space for people's well-being really, bringing community together, making people happy and um, learning and feeling, feeling well and feeling good. So how did you hear about the Great Place Scheme and its small grant scheme? Through Halsden Neighbourhood Forum, I went to their, one of their meetings. So you submitted an application for funding and you were awarded some money. Do you mind sharing how much you were awarded and what you plan to do with the money? £5,000, under £5,000. And um, we ran our, pro- our summer programme for our 200 families in Stonebridge. And we met up, there was about um, 30 of us. So we met outdoors in the park, got rained on some of the time, um, did some painting, did some some art, um, had kind of um, social distancing picnics. And they they did a lot of digital work as well, because right through from March, we've been um, posting activities for the families. So it was really great that we got that funding, that small grant funding, because then we could do more stuff and we could go outdoors as well. What was the feedback from the community with all the activities that you had on on offer? Oh, they really enjoyed it. And, you know, as I said, it really made a lot of people so much more happy and more confident. It was really needed at that point. And, um, you know, from young age groups, because we have parents of kids who come who are from six, five, four, right up to people who have been coming since they were like 10, years old and they're now 18 so they came to volunteer the older ones yeah so they were there sometimes they just chat a lot rather than volunteering (laughs) bless them but they were just socializing they had their masks you know we had hand sanitizer (laughs) I like the disclaimer (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) you know so they were just happy to hang out as well as you know help out because we had foldable tables and we put lady tables by the trees and in the park and then some people brought their bikes you know it was just so nice just such a lovely atmosphere and so people loved it you know and they want more you know they want more they need more of that you know that community feeling um we had a half-term program which um offered maths creative um learning and english online classes so we want to really carry on our work because it's needed carry on our the creative learning, the learning support tuition. And going forward, um, we would love to have our own allocated space that's, you know, not that just that we're renting, but right through the year, we have our own space. And we hear that they're building something by the canal. We always go walking by the canal. We'd love something there or something. It would be beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, it's needed and it'll be used. Um, and we'll just carry on benefiting the the community. How can people connect with you and sign up, get in touch, volunteer? I, I like the, what you said earlier about people hanging out and helping out. That sounds like, you know, there's real community spirit in the work that you're doing. Um, so you can get in touch with us at arts at abundancearts.com. That's our email. And we're on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter if you want. That'd be lovely. Um, that's at abundancearts. Um, and we're on Instagram as well. It's also at Abundance Arts. And thank you, thank you, OPDC, for your funding. We appreciate it. This is the Powerful Partnerships Podcast.
I work as a cultural producer. My background is in youth work, but also in sort of DIY cultural projects. Um, and I've worked across research and community arts mostly. How does one get into that? So I got into to that, I guess, through firstly, through going to my local youth center um, as a young person. And through that kind of got exposed to different like cultural um, venues um, because I became part of a poetry collective through that youth center. So youth worker who was a poet was like, let's start this if you've got a passion. He got a few of us involved into doing that. So a lot of other young people, people from my college in sixth form joined. And that exposed me to places like South Bank Centre, exposed me to different spaces, cultural spaces I wasn't aware of. I've always had this thing of just sort of doing projects independently, found people to collaborate with and enjoyed working with others. So that lent itself quite nicely to do DIY projects. And then then I worked within an art centre as a producer, so sort of was able to see both sides. But yeah, it was a sort of happy accident of this is just what I'm passionate about. Why do I have to wait for a... Um, a cultural organization to tell me that I have permission to do something. The thing that I'm most proud of is something we didn't actually did an event in Brent in South Kilburn, and it was to uh, program, co-program an event with Zadie Smith at a, a center called the Granville. The reason why I'm proud of that, and it links to your question when it comes to audience, was that that audience was really intergenerational and was really local. And there was just a real atmosphere of love um, even afterwards. You recently received funding from the Great Place Small Grant Scheme to support a project that you've called Marquez. Can you tell me a bit more about Marquez? So this project, uh, Marquez, is about um, looking at park rule through the eyes of the Arab diaspora who've really created um, business hubs and, and formed new businesses in the area. And what's really interesting about that is there's a perception in London specifically that uh, Edgware Road is where Arab communities congregate and, and meet socially. What's really interesting in the last five five years or so is that you have this industrial area in northwest London where lots of Arab businesses have set up shop, a lot of shisha lounges, but not just shisha lounges, even a bookshop, um, places where you can buy sweets. Um, and you, if you go there on any Friday or Saturday night, you'll find people who've traveled. I once met someone who traveled from Croydon to Northwest London to come to one of these shisha lounges. Um, just uh, he was saying, just the vibe is different. So it just tells you what has been created there. Um, there's some shisha lounges that have like live performances, live music, um, and essentially become like somewhat cultural hubs. So it's interesting, I think, to document that, given that there isn't much out there um, on this recent history of, of, of you know, and hopefully that that documentation will show how valuable they are for the future and then it, the, these these places should remain. What would you like the legacy of Marquez to be? What lasting impact do you think this project will have in the community? For me, it's um, I touched on it before, it's about value and seeing these places, especially given COVID, like we've noticed the absence of, of pubs as places where people congregate and where people... Uh, you know share and joy and they meet up and they complain about work and it's a it's you know the concept of a pub is a beautiful thing in terms of people meeting up and being in a specific location where people can come together i think in the same way 
there are a lot of hubs in that area which are formed which are similarly valuable and there's stuff around just being able to to congregate and meet others and laugh and just you know live a normal life and not in those places not being maligned and um seen in, in a negative light so i think the key thing for me is like really working and the one thing i should mention is the project is deeply collaborative in that i'm working with local artists and also people to do like sort of ethnographic research so like it's a fancy way of saying getting just local people to interview some of these places but on, on a basic level and gathering that insight right and yeah just really showing even through maps um because obviously maps sometimes underline who is absent on a map is quite evident like what places are highlighted even the places you hear on the tube you'll get on piccadilly line or whatever tube line you get on the tube and it tells you like get off here if you want to go here i think there's something really interesting about getting on the tube and imagine you heard like get on here if you want to go to Bethel Zaytun in West Acton or whatever um so we're creating our own version of that on our own terms so I think that's I think that's my intention with the, the, the legacy of the project people can contact me contact me at www.zaindada.co.uk OPDC small grant scheme is open until the 20th of March 2021 and applicants can apply for between £500 up to £5,000 towards projects which bring art, community and heritage to the area or which support volunteering within the community. So in contextualising what a successful legacy could be for Old Oak and Park Royal Development Corporation is Halston Canal Side Local Community Coordinator Anita Whitaker, sharing her views as a mother, member of the community and professional working for OPDC in the community. Um, I have four sons aged 28, 18, 11 and 8 years old and it's always been important to me as a third generation Halsden resident to create a legacy for my children and to have a space that they were able to experience everything and anything they possibly needed on their own doorstep. Um, it's extremely important for me to connect with young people and help to teach people. My my eldest son, um, who's now 26, he was born at Park Royal, um, but also my brother was born at Park Royal Hospital. I was born at St Mary's. My brother, who's three years younger than me, was born there. He's now living and working in Japan as an animator, speaks fluent Japanese, and we grew up in Halsden, and where I always speak to young people and say there's so much opportunity. There's so many things you can do. You know, don't feel bogged down by your circumstance or where where you particularly live and if you feel like as though the area you're living in isn't what you want it to be make it what you want it to be and I've got such a close beautiful network of people around me here in this area that I feel very privileged to be living here still in Halston and it's important um, that I show my children what it is to be a community leader and a person that helps to create the change they want to see. What do you think are some of the special places or poignant places for young people to see and engage in in Park Royal? Okay, wow. So the canal definitely is like you are following a path that leads to so many different places just by walking no you know you don't need your bus you know you don't need train fare um bus fare you can just go for a walk you can go for a, a ride and you're ended you can go all the way i mean you can go all the way to reading technically 
um, you're seeing and experiencing a part of London that a lot of people don't recognize are there, that kind of that being outdoors and connecting with nature. And I know some young people might be like, oh, boring, but actually just taking a bit of time out to be in a space and having space around you, which is quiet, where you're connecting with um, nature in a way that you know, you can do foraging um, and just things like picking blackberries and, and that fresh fruit and things like that. You know, my mum would say, oh, you have to wash it first. But, <laughs> you know, a bit of water you can bring with you. Um, but just being able to experience that. Also, in regards to work, I don't think a lot of people fully acknowledge and understand the kind of work opportunities there are in Park Royal. Doing a bit of research around what kind of companies there are and what jobs they have available there. And just saying, I'm a local person, you know, I'm young, I want some experience, I want to see, you know, I want to see what you guys do and maybe I can learn something. And just making those connections and seeing the different opportunities that can take you around the world. There are companies that are based in Park Royal that are international. And just going in and saying, you know, I'd like to do some experience here and I live around the corner, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the businesses would be accommodating. There are, you know, there are some great businesses and people working in those businesses that will be willing to give local young people um, opportunities. Younger generation coming up, this is currently their home and could be their home for a long time. And there are ways that they can actually get involved and, you know, shape the design of an area by taking part in consultations. But what kind of jobs can young people do in this field? There are so many layers to... Um, a regeneration project and so many job opportunities within them. Like I said before, my 11-year-old wants to be an architect and we talked about everything that it was around architecture, um, from the drawings to being just being the, a planner. If you're into reading and the law, you know, it's, it's the law around this as well. You, it's, there's scope for so many different jobs. Something like my role, which is engagement, to planners, architects, designers, interior landscape designers, if you know anything about agriculture. So there's so many layers of things you can do from using your hands to sitting down doing the writing. Um, I've got a personal email now, anita at threespace.org. Um, and please, anybody that has any ideas or would just like to have a chat and, and, and find out how they can get involved, um, I'd really appreciate that, that email, it'd be great. Thank you, Claire. To find out more about ways that you can get involved in OPDC projects and to help shape plans for the future of the area, make sure to sign up to OPDC's newsletter via the website or by emailing info at opdc.london.gov.uk.